We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, Chargers fans, welcome into another episode of the Guilty as Charged podcast. Uh, my name is Steven. I am your host. If you're a new listener, we are covering things, uh, everything related to the Los Angeles Chargers. You can follow us on social media. We have Twitter and Instagram at GCPodcast17. You can follow either of our uh, personal pages as well. Uh, joining me today is Alex. Alex, how are you doing, man? Good to be back on the show. I'm uh, doing better than Brett Ripien. <laughs> yeah we were just watching the the broncos and jets game and it was it was a mess you know there were lots of injuries obviously the the quarterback situation on either side is not great um yeah you know, i tweeted this out from my personal page but i i'm still seeing like rookie mistakes from sam darnold and i know his circumstances are not great but i i just don't feel like he's improved very much in the nfl i don't know if you what your thoughts are on sam darnold uh, maybe we get into the Broncos quarterback situation as well, if you'd like. Uh, first, I'd like to qualify uh, that statement and say, yeah, when you say we watch the game, you watch the game. Uh, I, was, I watched the game, <laughs> That's yeah. anywhere yeah. near this. I, I just saw some highlights on Twitter here and there. Uh, the Pierre Desir interception was pretty nice. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. This was like just... Uh, Gase is going to hold on to his job now because the game was close <laughs> and they didn't get totally embarrassed like 40 to 0. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, that's pretty much it. But, man, the Broncos, just their defense doesn't look good at all. Um, and that's kind of to be expected with all the injuries they've had and Von Miller. And, um, you know, there's no real answer to the quarterback problem 
after Drew Locke and after this game, I'd assume he's still out for probably at least a couple more weeks. <laughs> Maybe they decide to go with the uh, Bortles. I mean, it's not impossible. I could. It, it probably wouldn't yeah. be the worst thing after Driscoll and Ripien. I mean, <laughs> I think it would be funny if they went to him. But uh, yeah, just a all around bad quarterback situation for Denver. Um, you know, Ripien is, you know, it's not a really good spot to put him in in his first start, even though it's against the Jets. Just there's no way I thought he was going to have a good start coming out. And Darnold's, you know, he's kind of, you know, still in that spot of like Schrodinger's quarterback where he'll do a really good thing and then he'll do also really dumb stuff. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty much where he is. Uh, that, you know, Lamar Jackson touchdown run he had, though, was pretty fun. <laughs> it was pretty good and, and you know it, it's different because like even josh allen is improving as a passer right you know and i, I hate to keep throwing shade at josh allen but you know, i just don't feel like sam has improved at all since he came into the league and, and you know this is year three like you would hope to see at least some kind of improvement um so the broncos did just score they did go up 37 to 28 um so the upcoming games for the broncos they have the patriots next week so that's gonna be a loss um, then they have the Dolphins, Chiefs, Falcons, Raiders, and then they have a, and then they have the Chargers. So, uh, rough few weeks for the Broncos coming up. I can't really imagine it gets any better. If Drew Lock can play soon, obviously that would help. But you know he's not going to be ready for next week. Um, it definitely was a tough spot for Brett Ripien to make his first his first start overall in the NFL as as, as an undrafted free agent. So. Um, obviously Alex was not here for our Sunday show. Uh, if you caught that episode, um, he was, uh, unavailable. So, uh, each of us have, have watched the film. I've watched it a few times. I don't know how many times Alex has watched it, but, uh, what were your kind of main takeaways from last Sunday against the Panthers? Uh, I mean, I said it when I watched the game, you know, a, a lot of the reasons they all lost the game were like, you know, d- dumb stuff like turnovers and penalties, but really where they lost the game was just mostly on the offensive line and defensive line. Like, uh, as soon as they lost Balaga and Turner, there was just a noticeable, and, you know, you could see it with uh, Brian Burns taking advantage of Trey Pipkins and uh, stuff like that, where, you know, he just comes right off and gets uh, registers a hit on Herbert, or, you know, Herbert, <laughs> Herbert takes a shot to the ribs um, and stuff like that. But uh, it it just was not pretty after those two went out. Uh, well, obviously Trey Turner never started, and then you know Brian Balaga uh, came out of the game with a back injury, and it doesn't look like either of them are going to play on Sunday, which is disappointing versus that Tampa Bay um, defensive front. So that's my main takeaway from the uh, from the offensive line, and then yeah, because those two were out, it felt like there was more pressure on Feeney and Lamp and uh, Tevi. Um, Groy as well. It seemed like Groy kind of got the nod over St. Louis in this one. Uh, I don't know if that was a... So St. Louis got uh, knocked out of the oh. game, according to Anthony okay. Lynn. I didn't notice that. Yeah, so he, I guess on the first drive, he like was lightheaded. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't ever see him get put in concussion protocol. It was never yeah. announced. And then he was listed on the injury report with a concussion. So um, obviously we'll get into the injury report later, right. but... Um, I think I think it'll be St. Louis this week. You know, Groy was, was a mess at right. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, Groy wasn't good, and there was a lot of illegal use to the hand, illegal use of the hands and stuff like that. Uh, he just was not, uh, didn't feel like he was ready for this one. Uh, St. Louis, I don't know. I mean, based on what we saw in the Bengals game, I feel like he can give you at least some good, uh, rush, uh, rushing downs. He's probably not going to give you very much at all in terms of pass blocking, but I feel like that's just the spot the Chargers are in without, uh, Trey Turner being available to play. So... Unfortunately, that's just the reality until he's healthy or he's ready to go. We, we don't quite know what's wrong with him. But, uh, yeah, so th- those are the two main takeaways for me, the offensive line and the defensive line. I, and now getting to the defensive line, you know, they really, like, it, it's so weird to just see them dominate a good offensive line against the Chiefs last week and then come into this one just not right. knowing what to do at all and, like, yeah. Maybe it was they underestimated it or played down to their competition a little bit, but it's still, it's like, if you're Joey Bosa, you know, you're playing Russell Okung's, you know, backup. Like, you know, you gotta uh, get in there and really start to apply pressure. <laughs> you had, last week, ten pressures and, you know, one sack against Mitchell Schwartz. Like, I, I didn't quite understand the struggle, struggle, and we talked about maybe it's, you know, Melvin Ingram's not there, Justin Jones isn't there. Even with those guys not there, it still feels like, well, you know, you have Bosa and you have Justin Jones and you have Tillery and Tillery's been playing like, you know, a man with his hair on fire for the first two weeks. So it was just um, a little surprising to see really none of them kind of show up in, uh, at least in terms of the duration of the game. Uchenna and Wosu got some pressures early and Bosa gets the sack late. Uh, but it just felt like there was never that consistent pressure throughout the game. Um, and, and that was one of my big takeaways from that. And, you know, if you're going to play, in, and that was playing Teddy Bridgewater, right? If you're going to play Tom Brady, who is even more of a surgical pocket passer, right? You have to be just more disciplined, more pressure in his face every time. Yeah. And if you're not doing that, Tom Brady is going to pick you up apart even worse than Teddy Bridgewater uh, did, you know, regardless of his age or any of those things. Um, and the last thing I took away from this game that I thought was interesting is there was a stat. Uh, so in Herbert's first game, Keenan Allen, uh, Austin Eckler, and Hunter Henry, uh, they, I believe, accounted for 75% of receiving yards. In this game, that trio uh, combined for 83 Uh, percent of the receiving yards. So I thought that was interesting, and it did feel like at points they were maybe relying on those three a little bit too much. Uh, And what I just mean by that is I would like to see... We talk about Joe Reed, but let's be realistic. He's never going to see the field, I guess. Um, (laughs) I'd like to see some more uh, targets to uh, other people, right? Uh, KJ Hill looked like he was open on some plays but never really got uh i think he had two catches but kind of just were short yardage loops out there uh and then i think you had guyton had a catch uh obviously he had a touchdown in the chiefs game it just felt like they never really utilized their weapons well and it feels like you know if you get the ball to guyton or if you get the ball to kj hill uh, more often you know it will cause defenses to maybe have to worry about them a little bit more or you know, if you play the yeah. six eight B 
beastly, you know, size tight end that you have instead of making him a healthy scratch every game, maybe that would make defenses take notice of him more or, you know, even Steven Anderson, they don't really uh, use him in a lot of receiving sets at all. So it's like, I just don't know why they insist on having Eckler, Keenan and Hunter Henry be such a large chunk of the offense when all three of them would be aided if they just got, you know, even one, maybe two more receivers more um, functionally involved, I think. Yeah, we'll see how that uh, changes this week. I, I, you know, getting, you know, kind of on the injury report, but I don't think Mike Williams is going to play. At least I don't think he should. So we'll see how that kind of changes. But, uh, you know, I did this on my film breakdown. I, I think most of the um emphasis on Keenan Allen is just because that's who Justin trusts mm-hmm. right now. And, you know, that's kind of what his eyes are telling me throughout the game. And that's the good thing about the all 22, right? Is you can look at where, where the quarterback is looking and he's almost always, you know, if it's first read is Hunter, first read is Austin, you know, the second read is almost always Keenan Allen or, or, you know, if the first read is Keenan Allen, obviously he goes there. So that's going to be really interesting. The offensive line, you know, we'll get to this more often, you know, when we get to the keys of the game, because, you know, there is the key to the game, in my opinion, is how the offensive line plays. Um, Trey Pipkins, I think people are rightfully upset at how he played. I was upset, and I've, I spent all summer kind of watching his, his tape from last year, and I've been, you know, the captain of the Trey Pipkins boat, if you will. And, you know, to his credit, he played a great game against Frank Clark and, and the Chiefs two weeks ago. Unfortunately, you know, it, it was just a bad matchup against Brian Burns, and and they really took advantage. Then again, <laughs> Sam Tevy had the best game of the charge <laughs> offensive lineman last week in terms of pressures given up. He only had one. Everybody else had at least three. So they gave up as a whole. I, th- I think 22 was the number from Pro Football Focus that I saw. It was not pretty, and it's not going to get any easier this week, which we'll we'll get in more into down the line. But you know, the offensive line was they were bad in key moments, right? right? You know, the hands to the face. They had Ryan Groy had a hands to the face penalty, and it would have been a Hunter Henry first down in the in the red zone. It would have been first and goal from like five, I believe. And obviously, you know, the Chargers were able to convert eventually, but it's it's just the penalties in the key moments. And Groys was so blatant. I I could understand Feeney had one. I didn't, you know, that play happens for Feeney all the time. I don't know if I would have called that if I were a referee, but um, it was just the key moments. And then the turnovers were just weird, man. And and I know technically they counted four, but the last one on the last play, I don't really know if that counts very much. Um, but the turnovers have obviously been a key theme of the week, right? Because the defense has not forced any since Cincinnati and, Really, one against Cincinnati was a fluke Melvin Ingram interception. So, obviously, you know, this team has given up uh, 20 points off of turnovers, and they have zero of their own. So, that's that's definitely going to be a key moving forward as well. Um, I don't know if you wanted to talk about Justin Herbert. You know, we I did a film breakdown of him on Patreon, which, you know, I was really fired up about. I've, I've loved seeing the growth from him. Um, any thoughts on Justin Herbert? Yeah, I thought he looked good. Um you know, he, he looked more kind of poised and comfortable in this game. And that's weird to say because, you know, he did throw a pick or, you know, there was the fumble, but uh, ultimately I think even considering those things, uh, you know, it wasn't really uh, a bad game for him, even if the stat line or the fantasy line (laughs) made it seem that way. 
Um, I thought he, you know, he stayed composed and obviously he takes that, you know, big shot to his ribs, which had probably everyone holding their breath at the time. And, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, we'll see. We'll see if he gets an injection for that or not. Um, but, uh, oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I had to go there. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, I thought, I thought he had a, a good game. Uh, he continues to impress just with his efficiency. He looks again, uh, way past where I thought he would be at this point in terms of his, uh, going through his reads, going through his progressions. The one thing I will say is, um, the fumble. So a lot of people didn't think it was a fumble. It was kind of a debate. I, you know, I kind of thought he stuck around a little bit in the pocket for too long and kind of allowed it to close on him. And then, right, as the defense is coming around, it looked a little uh, Carson Wentz-y to me, which is to say Carson Wentz kind of has that, um, you know, fumble problem that has been talked about, which is like, you know, you know, even if it's technically going forward, if it looks like someone hits your arm and the ball pops out, they're more than likely going to call that a fumble. So it's like, I'd like to see him either at, at that point, uh, take the ball and run, uh, like he has at certain points or just tuck the ball in and take the sack. Right. So that's something I'd like to see a little bit from him is just a little bit more for sure. uh, decisiveness for sure. before the pocket, uh, closes entirely. I definitely played a hand in that, uh, debate <laughs> because, I thought it was a fumble live, and I thought it was a fumble watching the film. I just question, like, if that's Tom Brady, like, is that called a fumble? I don't really think so. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like that's one of those loopholes that referees tend to, if it's a veteran quarterback, you know, they probably give the ball back to him. But, you know, it is what it is. You live and you learn. I, I do think the referee crew from Sunday was horrendous. Um, they That offensive pass interference call on Mike Williams was probably the worst offensive pass interference I've ever seen in my life. Um, but that's all that I will say about referees. <laughs> so um, we're going to get into our game picks for this week around the league. Uh, it was not a good weekend for me. Uh, thankfully, I did not have money on these games. You know, I, I'm you know not a big better, but I do like making game picks. So Alex has taken the lead. Of course, you know, we did a head to head, which played in his favor. Um, so Alex now has a one game lead on on my record. Um, so Alex, let's start it off. Um, who are your week four? I almost said three because we're doing three picks. (laughs) Who are your week four picks this week? Yeah. So first I'm going to go with the Cardinals over the Panthers. Uh, Cardinals took a tough loss last week, I think at home to the lions. Um, Stafford played good in that game. You know, not a lot. They could have done better. I think it just, you know, uh, I think the lions were looking for a win and, it game just didn't go their way, but I think, you know, you have, uh, the Panthers who are coming off of a win Cardinals coming off of a win, but I just feel like the Cardinals are going to get a game back, uh, at this point with Kyler and, uh, you know, how that defense has been playing, which I think is still something really to be encouraged by, uh, <laughs> with Vikings and, uh, Texans, we might have kind of a loser leaves t- uh, town matchup here um, <laughs> with, you know, both teams at 0-3. I, I think the Texans 0-3 is obviously because they started with the Chiefs and the Ravens and the Steelers. Just brutal, brutal opening schedule. So, I mean, I think we definitely, uh, or at least I do, see 
um, a glimmer of hope for them where, you know, if they can win a couple more games, they maybe they get back to 500, right? Um, they're still a team that I think can be uh, a playoff contender. But uh, it starts with winning this one game here and uh, avoiding 0-4. I think they do that against the Vikings. Um, Vikings just haven't looked impressive to me at all. At least the Texans went back and forth kind of with the Steelers last week. Uh, the Vikings just, I don't know, the, even in the Tennessee game, I thought their uh, defensive presence was lacking, and it you know it, it still shows that defense is kind of uh, working to get a lot better. And <laughs> I, I did like the press conference with uh, uh, Mike Zimmer, where you know he talks about you know letting up 107 points or whatever it was in the first three games. Uh, didn't seem. Oh, when he was like, I don't care about your opinion type <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah, didn't seem pleased. Uh, so yeah, I'll go with the Texans in that one. I, I just don't know if the Vikings have it defensively this year. And I'll go with the Bills over the Raiders. The <laughs> Bills saved my ass a little bit last week, uh, <laughs> you know, and prevented the Rams comeback. Yeah. The, the 20, the 28-3 lead, they almost blew. Um, but yeah, I, I still think the Bills are pretty good their offense looks a lot better i think than it did at any point really last year the fact that they're able to score 20 or 30 a game consistently um is much different from what the team was last year so and you know credit to uh, how do i say this credit to josh allen for the first half of last week's game no credit to him (laughs) in the second half but uh he has been playing better this season uh, even if he, you know, has kind of been still a little bit inconsistent, but he has been better. Um, Raiders, I just, I, I need to see more defensively if you're going to stop, you know, this Bills uh, attack, and you're going, you know, and that Raiders defense is going to match that Bills defense. I just haven't seen that yet. So I'm going to go with the Cardinals, the Bills, and the Texans. Solid picks all across the board. So the Raiders are, their receiving group is a mess this week. Uh, Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards are not going to be active. So their main wide receiver trio is going to be Nelson Aguilar, <laughs> Hunter Renfro, and Zay Jones. <laughs> so uh, that's going to be really interesting to see how they go up against Tredavious White and company. <laughs> um, I'm surprised that the Bills are only favored by three. I know it's a, a uh, across the country trip, but you know, I, I think that that should be more like a 5.5 type line. Um, so real quick, you know, you talked about the Texans being 0 3. Um, obviously, the Titans are 3 0, and their game is canceled uh, this week because of COVID, because they're a bunch of idiots <laughs> who decided to play with people infected with COVID. Um, it's just so irresponsible of them, man. Like I, I know that all these teams they want to play and they want to have their competitive competitive advantage, but that's just incredibly irresponsible. I think the NFL should make them forfeit the game, but that's just me. Um, in terms of the AFC South, though, how do you view this now after three games? Because you know the Colts started off really slow against the Jaguars. Obviously, that was a really bad loss for them. Um, the Texans are obviously 0-3, and then the Titans are 0-3, but they've trailed in every single one of their games. Um, and Minshew Mania is at least more competitive than all of us thought. So uh, what do you think of the AFC South right now? 
It, it sure is the AFC South because I I don't know any <laughs> I I don't through four weeks I don't feel like there's any team that has an advantage. Um, the the I, I honestly still think the Texans could come back and win this division probably. Yeah. Uh, I mean they have Deshaun yeah. Watson and obviously they've gotten through what is the hard hard part of their schedule, so I could definitely right. see them climbing back into things. The Jags do have that kind of Minshew mania factor, and you know their secondary has been playing a little bit better with the addition of C.J. Henderson. Um, so you know I'm I'm curious to see how they kind of develop over the course of the season. Um, the Titans are obviously still uh, the Titans. They'll play close games, but they'll win uh, kind of those scrums. Uh, you know, spe- speaking of the Titans in Minnesota, which is you know the whole impetus for this whole COVID thing, but you know. Uh, I thought that the Titans did play a good game there, uh, and uh, they've been solid defensively the whole season. Not the most explosive team offensively, but you know they got to the AFC Championship you know last year without that. So uh, Tannehill's been good, uh, and it's you know more just you know feeding Henry still at this point. Uh, and the Colts, the Colts are the interesting team because. I still don't fully believe in Philip Rivers in this position and what he's doing, but you know, he has been, he wasn't good in week one, but he has rebounded in week two and three. So I'm curious to follow him through the season and see if there might be kind of a breaking point where his performance declines or if he's kind of able to stay the same way throughout the year. Cause that obviously I think would have a very big uh, impact on the, uh, on the division race. Yeah, absolutely. And that mic'd up, man, that was so funny. I don't know if yeah. you saw that, but um, it aggravated the stew out of me. It's like an all-time classic Phil Rivers line. Um, so we'll see how that pans out. I, st- I still think that the Texans could come back from this, too. Um, and we s- we've we seen this as recently as 2018 when they started 0-3, and then they went on to win 11 games and won the division. So uh, I'm not going to count the Texans out just yet, so we'll see. Um, as for my picks, I'm going to start out with the Packers over the Falcons. Um, obviously, the Packers just lost Al Lazard. I don't know if Devontae Adams is going to play. Um, I don't really think it matters. You know, Aaron Rodgers is just in, you know, that other sphere that he can go to that so few players can get to. And he's just, you know, playing amazing. I will say, I think the Falcons' offense is good enough to keep it close ish. Um, right now, the Packers uh, are favored by seven, so I think I'll, I'll probably take the Packers by three. And then the other game that I wanted to talk about is I'm going to take my upset of Jacksonville over Cincinnati. Um, the Bengals are favored by three at home. I think Minshew Mania is going to uh, bounce back from his Thursday Night Football debacle. That was a very poor performance by him. So I think they'll bounce back and get a win. Um, and then I'm kind of, kind of on the fence on this last one, but I think I'm going to go with the Browns to upset the Cowboys as well. So I'm going with two upsets. Um, I just think with Nick Chubb and uh, Kareem Hunt, I think the Browns have the type of offense to uh, play ball control a little bit and keep Dak Prescott and company off the field. And, you know, maybe Odell has a good game because the Cowboys uh, defense is terrible. Um, so, yeah, those are going to be my picks. Browns over Cowboys. The Jaguars over the Bengals, and then the Packers over the Falcons. Speaking of the Packers, uh, 
I think that, especially now with the Lazard core injury and the fact that Devontae Adams might play, that Jordan Love pick really looks worse by the day. Uh, it's aging. It it's really aging does. like sour milk. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Oh, man, I, I, I tweeted that uh, I dropped my grade by uh, five points every time I see the Packers. So it's at about a Z plus right now. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I just, <laughs> man, if. God, imagine if, you know, Aaron Rodgers had Justin Jefferson or, uh, you know, Ugh. any of those type of dudes. Uh, would, or even like T. Higgins, dude. Yeah, uh, even someone like that, right? Like, just for him to have that kind of receiver would be awesome. Um, especially since the Packers traded up for Jordan Love, right? Um, but, yeah, I, uh, I don't know. But it's... Uh, I get what they did, why they it's did bad. what they did, but it looks certainly worse with the way Aaron Rodgers is playing and the fact that they certainly are in need of receivers. Yeah, and it's not just the yeah I've said this a bunch of times, but it's not just the Jordan Love pick. It's that they then took a running back who <laughs> is not playing. He he's not seeing the field. Like AJ Dillon and his massive quads are not seeing the field. Um, and then they took that tight end Josiah Degara who's playing. But he's a blocking tight end. Like, I, it's just unfortunate. Now, granted, it, it kind of seems like Marquez Valdez-Scantling looks pretty good. Um, he kind of looks like he's having maybe a career year. But we'll see. The Lazard injury is obviously huge for them because he is their number two. And, and he was developing a nice rapport with Aaron. Um, but, you know, until Aaron shows me that he's slowing down, I'm going to keep picking him. <laughs> So uh, we'll get into the injury report now. Obviously, the biggest injury of the week uh, is Chris Harris, right? So Chris Harris hurt his ankle, and it looked bad, and then he was able to walk off on under his own power. Um, we now know that he is going to be out at least a month, which, you know, it, this is bad timing for him to be out, especially considering Michael Thomas is going to be back uh, for the Saints next week. Um, so... Uh, Gus Bradley did say today that he thinks they might consider rotating um, Desmond King and Asir Adderley in the slot, but yeah, it just feels like this is back to the Desmond King show at the slot. Yeah, I think that's mostly going to be the case, um, and obviously, so you're probably going to see what you saw last year, which was Casey Hayward at the cornerback uh, one, Michael Davis takes cornerback two uh, again, and then you have... Uh, you know, Desmond King at quarterback three, which, or, you know, at slot corner. Um, maybe we'll see him play some safety rotating with Adderley, but I honestly don't know if you'll see that that much just because of how much responsibility he'll have as a slot corner, really. And I don't know if they want to put Adderley in that position quite yet. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not the worst thing because, I mean, you look at some of the Chargers' injuries and, like, the practice squad guys that they've had to call up to make an impact at other positions right. right so i mean going from chris harris to desmond king isn't the worst thing in the world because you are still getting a guy who knows the system obviously has played here for you know this is his fourth year right um so you're getting that kind of experience presence he's uh, you know certainly kind of a leader in the secondary right um but you know go, going from Chris Harris to Desmond King at this point, considering Desmond King's last season, 
it does feel like going from a Bugatti to a Honda Civic. Um, <laughs> and that's not really a diss to Desmond King so much as it just is. That's how good Chris Harris is. You know, if he, that's how it is, right. If yeah, he retired today, he would be, you know, at least the second, third ballot hall of famer. Like, um, that's just the reality. And the way that he's been playing this season specifically, um, you know, the only time I really remember Chris Harris getting beat was when Patrick Mahomes threw an impossible pass running to Ty- Tyreek Hill. Like, that's the only time I've really Tyreek seen Hill, him yeah. get beat this season. Uh, and he's just been playing phenomenally. He played phenomenally against the Bengals, played great against the Chiefs. Um, obviously, the secondary as a whole wasn't as great last week, but I still think, you know, he... Uh, has been probably the brightest uh, spot when it comes to the secondary outside of Casey. So um, I, I'm I don't feel terrible going to King. Right, it isn't like you're bringing a practice squad uh, practice squad guy up, but it does feel disappointing to know that you know we've had this for two games and now we're going to have to pretty much just throw out what we did last year. Um, Michael Davis at second cornerback is my main concern because he's kind of split the time there with Chris Harris a little bit um, and and sort of the other stuff he's been doing on the field. So I'm curious to see what receiver they match him up with in this game because it's not going to be Godwin who's going to be out. And we obviously know Casey Hayward is going to be responsible for Mike Evans. Likely so. I'm curious to see if maybe they put him, uh, someone like Michael Davis on, um, not who, well, what other receivers do they have after Godwin and Evans and Scotty Miller? (laughs) Uh, So Scotty Miller is also probably out. And then Justin Watson is going to be the number two. And then honestly, I don't even know after. Uh, okay. So, are they bringing up practice squad guys? I feel like that's probably what they're going to do in this game. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, but their receiving course kind of decimated. So, um, you'll probably have Desmond King on Scotty Miller and Michael Davis on Justin Watson, Casey Hayward on Mike Evans, something like that. Um, I think that, that, you know, in terms of this game, while it is difficult to play Brady in the secondary... I do think it's good to go against this type of secondary where you are going to have, uh, or sorry, going against this type of receiving core where you're going to have Michael Davis in a bit of a better matchup. You know, it's not like he's going against Godwin this week. This is yeah. a matchup that maybe eases him uh, into taking on someone like Emmanuel Sanders or someone like that in the Saints game. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But I um, I feel okay with the Desmond King situation. It is what it is, but I um, it is unfortunate just to see it happen. And, you know, the greatness of Chris Harris just kind of snapped for me like that. Yeah, it is, it is unfortunate. And to me, you know, Chris Harris is the reason why they're able to play more man-to-man coverage. Now, Gus Bradley promised more man-to-man coverage, and they have delivered on that promise. They haven't done a good job mixing it up. Obviously, the blitzes have not <laughs> come. Um, so hopefully that kind of, you know, there's no better time to ramp up the blitzes than this week against Brady and next week against Breeze. So we'll see how that pans out. 
As for the other Chargers injuries, um, it looks like Joey Bosa just had a rest day on Wednesday. He was limited today with a triceps and ankle. Um, there is some concern that maybe that he just kind of stays banged up, but he's still being a very productive player. Um, you know, I certainly am, am hoping that he stays on the field, obviously. It looks like they will have Justin Jackson back this week. Um, he's been a full participant in both days. So Anthony Lynn said that they'll have a package of plays for him. Um, and then between Joshua Kelly and Justin Jackson, it looks like they'll do the uh, hot hand approach, which kind of sucks. But um looks like they'll get Nick Vigil back this week, which will help for the, the depth purposes. He was a full participant today. Um, and then the... Uh, oh, and then I mentioned Tyree St. Louis. Uh, he was a full participant as well, so it looks like he should be good to go, which is good news. Um, now for the bad news. So Brian Balaga, Trey Turner, and Mike Williams have all been DNPs uh, each of the last two days. Of those three, I think Mike Williams probably has the best chance of playing just because that's who Mike Williams is, right? Like it's probably going to be a true game-time decision for him. Um, how likely do you think it is that Bulaga and Trey Turner are each out? Turner is interesting just because I don't know how much of it is injury and how much of it is unpreparedness. That quote that Anthony Lynn gave last week where he said he wasn't ready um, instead of citing an injury I, th- I thought was concerning, um, but I don't know. Bulaga obviously is with the back injury, Um I don't know if it's a conditioning thing for Turner or maybe just kind of getting back into the swing of things, but yeah, it's I'm doubtful that either goes because they're probably they're probably comfortable because it's the ends uh, and not like the interior. I th- I could see them putting uh, Pipkins and then you know maybe having Balaga wait another week to see where he is. Um, the real challenge is St. Louis, I think, in, in st- instead of uh, Turner, just because of Turner's ability to pass block versus St. Louis. And, you know, he does give you a little bit of run support, but I feel like Trey Turner would be giving you more. So uh, I think the Trey Turner um, being out really puts more pressure on uh, the interior line than there has been at any point this season. Yeah, I was impressed with St. Louis as a run blocker. You know, he had he had some good blocks in the run game. It's just, you know, passing situations he kind of struggled. Um, the Trey Turner situation is obviously frustrating, especially because they've essentially had three different guards at the right guard position. Obviously, St. Louis started last game and then, you know, had the concussion and Ryan Gore came in. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on. You know, I'm, I'm not – it's hard to, like, say that, I you know, you blame them, but – the Brian Balaga one is, is a little more frustrating because he was banged up heading into the game and, you know, he either tried to play through it or was feeling fine. And then now he has a back injury. So unfortunately this is kind of a risk that you take with a guy like Brian Balaga and, and you know, and above 30 offensive linemen, and, you know, this unfortunately can happen. Hopefully they're able to, to figure it out because they really do need, you know, at least one of those guys needs to be healthy for, you know, going forward. And, you know, they, I think they can withstand having, one miss some time, but I think both of them, one of them needs to be healthy going forward. Um, so it's just unfortunate. As for the Buccaneers injury report, obviously we talked about Chris Godwin. We talked about Scotty Miller. 
Um, the other one is Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette has not been a participant at practice this week. I don't think he's going to play either. Um, their running back rotation is kind of odd, you know, with uh, Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. It's it's basically, you know, who gets a, a good run in the first quarter is and ends up taking on that right. role. Um, so I'm not too. That doesn't change how I feel about this game. You know, I, I think Ronald Jones is probably better at this point in their careers anyway. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much the injury report. Um, any other thing you want to talk about with the injuries? Oh, in terms of the injuries, uh, the Mike Williams one, I think he'll try to play. I don't know whether or not he should. Uh, he's just kind of in this state where it feels like he's kind of banged up in and out of the lineup a little bit every week. Uh, so I don't know. I, I think he'll try to give it a go. I don't know if he should, but you know the wide receiver two and three situation would become a little bit desperate then because Herbert doesn't really have a relationship with Joe Reed or KJ Hill. A little bit of one with Jalen Guyton, but I don't know if that's saying a lot at this point. Um, so that was my really other takeaway is you know I think you're going to see a lot lot more uh, towards Allen. Uh, Eckler, Henry, probably some to Kelly Jackson, uh, if uh, it's true that, uh, you know, uh, Mike Williams can't go for this game. Yeah, and maybe we'll finally get to see Joe Reed touch the ball again, <laughs> which would be nice. Um, all right, let's get into our week four preview. Um, to me, this game is all going to come down to how the offensive line plays. The Buccaneers defense, and specifically their front seven, is so good and i um am honestly a little scared and i'm already stressing out about this game because uh you know i've loved watching how this offensive line has grown but i think they're going to be in for a tough day at the office yet again um you combine the talent that the buccaneers have you know vita vea is a monster of a nose tackle Ndamukong Sue is older, but he's still productive. Jason Pierre-Paul has three fingers. He's older, but he's still <laughs> productive. And then you have Shaq Bear, who led the league in sacks last year. And then you have the best linebacker duo, arguably in the league, with uh, Levante David and Devin White. So the talent is crazy good. And then Todd Bowles is a wizard of a defensive coach and blitzes a ton. You know, I went back and watched the Buccaneers game against the Broncos, and anytime the Buc- the Broncos were in a, an obvious passing situation, the Buccaneers blitzed, and it wasn't just like a, a casual blitz. Like they are so creative with their blitzes. If the offensive line struggles to pick up blitzes like they did against the Panthers, this is going to be an ugly, ugly game for the Chargers. Right. Um, yeah, I think the emphasis just has to be now on protecting Herbert as much as you can, uh, considering how many shots he took uh, in the Panthers game and the fact that Tyrod's probably not going to be there. Uh, We haven't received official confirmation on that, and Anthony Lynn has kind of talked about it like it's a possibility, but we think it's more likely Tyrod's back for Week 5. You know, honestly, when it comes to the keys to the game for me, I would say that it's all about putting pressure on Tom Brady, and I mentioned it earlier, but 
the way yeah. that they allowed Teddy Bridgewater to just kind of slice and dice, it's like if you allow Tom Brady to do that by, uh, do that to you, you won't lose 21 to 16. You'll lose, you know, 31 16. Um, and that's sort of the situation that I think it becomes then is, uh, you know, you have a really small error against Tom Brady led teams in general. So, you know, you have an even, you know, even smaller considering that the Chargers haven't been able to create as many turnovers as, you know, they would have liked to or they have in some previous seasons. So I think that combined with the offensive line, that's obviously a concern. But I don't know. I think they can win this game. You know, it really will depend on how Herbert plays in his third start uh, against a tough defensive line. If Herbert can get the ball and, you know, consistently pump it into, you know, second, third level, trip up the secondary because the secondary still isn't that good, um, you know, then I, I do trust the Chargers to win this one. But it's, um, it's just really tough for the offensive line in this one because Ndamukong Sue in the interior and you mentioned Shaq Barrett and the linebackers it's it's a lot to deal with for both the offensive line and Herbert it is going to be a lot it's it's a lot to handle now there are a lot of ways that you can go about handling a pass rush the problem is is that most of them involve involve you know getting the ball on the edges but then you run right into the linebacking core of Levante David and Devin White so it's going to be really interesting to see what they decide to do because you can max protect, you can have your tight ends chip. They haven't liked to do that much in the past. You know, they really prefer to get Hunter Henry and Austin Eckler out into passing routes, you know, rightfully so as the weapons that they are. So, you know, it's going to be really interesting. The other option, obviously, is to run the ball more. And that's something that the Chargers have wanted to do and that they've done in the past is, you know, Joshua Kelly had 23 carries against the Kansas City Chiefs. So, uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how they go about doing this. Um, if it were me, I honestly would do a lot of jet sweeps, a lot of options, a lot of screens, a lot of quick passing game. You really want to make this defense work and get out in space and, and essentially tire them out. And, you know, the, hopefully they can get that done. I will say Justin Herbert uh, has done a good job of getting the ball out quickly in certain areas especially to Hunter Henry and Keenan Allen uh, and even KJ Hill a little bit uh, last week. So that's definitely going to be interesting. As for the defense, I feel better about their chances of getting a turnover this week than last week. Uh, Ronald Jones has had some struggles with fumbles. And Tom Brady has been success- has made some suspect throws deep. Um, he obviously doesn't have the arm strength that he once had, and so he kind of has to put a lot of air under these balls. So it'll be really interesting. Maybe Nasir Adderley can get a pick and, and, and kind of uh, sway the momentum towards the Chargers. I think the Chargers can win. You know, they have enough talent in certain in the important areas on the team that they can win. I I just think Todd Bowles is going to have something special for Justin Herbert. And I think, you know, I put this poll up on Twitter about him potentially getting 300 yards. And I was pretty surprised at how many people voted yes because – I don't think it's going to happen. I think this is going to be a long day for the Chargers, unfortunately. Um, I think the Buccaneers are going to win. You know, I'll get to the prediction later, but I think the Buccaneers are going to win uh, relatively easily. I don't know if I would say relatively easily. I would still pick the Buccaneers, but I think it could be something like mm, 
24-21, something in that range. Um, I think they'll keep it close, maybe cut down uh, a little bit, at least on the turnovers this week. Uh, you know, I think Herbert will protect the ball a little bit more with Anthony Lynn just emphasizing uh, even more, just, you know, not turning it over. So, uh, you know, I think the key to this is, you know, how you really cover their offensive weapons. Is Mike Evans going to have a two-yard game, or is Mike Evans going to have a 104-yard game? <laughs> um, that's been the case. He's, I, I don't, I still don't understand how he's such an elite receiver, but he just has these, you know, really um, weird oscillations in production where there's like a dip and like a career high, it feels like. Uh, so <laughs> I don't, I don't really know, but I think Casey Hayward will do well on him. The the X factor for me is uh, we talked about Desmond King earlier, and I think it's Desmond King and Michael Davis, right? How do they uh, deal with the Buccaneers' weapons now that they have to step up and play significantly more than they were, right? Um, we sort of saw you know sp- some split time uh, for uh, Michael Davis, but it you know I don't know if we have enough really from the last few seasons to say that he can step up consistently into this second quarterback role. Um, yeah. And just more and more intensity from the defensive line. Like, you know, again, bring the pressure to Brady, get Bosa home. Um, obviously you don't have Ingram and that is a loss, but I still feel like they should be more efficient than they have been when it comes to getting defensive pressure, especially in the tape of the, Carolina game. Yeah, for sure. And I, you know, in terms of the pass rush, like we, like I was just saying, like there are certain ways that you can beat a good pass rush. Right. And I think the Buccaneers are also have that in mind. You know, I think we're going to see a lot of double tight end, triple tight end sets for this Buccaneers offense, especially without Chris Godwin and potentially Scotty Miller. And I think, you know, they're going to go into kind of a power running game. You know, that's kind of what they did last week against the Buc- against the Broncos. Uh, and it worked. And, you know, Rob Gronkowski, he's very limited as a receiver. You know, kind of reminds me of the uh, twilight of Antonio Gates' career where he's not going <laughs> to – he's not breaking any big plays. But he still is an excellent, excellent blocker. So is O.J. Howard. And I expect the Buccaneers to kind of play some power running game and maybe get the Chargers pass rush under control on their side. So that will be really interesting to watch as well. I'm excited for the Mike Evans thing, though, because obviously Keenan Allen uh, specifically mentioned Mike Evans as one of the receivers that he thought he was better than, uh, the other one being Tyreek Hill. So, you know, Casey Hayward and Keenan, you know, they're really good friends, right? So I have to imagine that uh, <laughs> Keenan and Mike and Casey have been talking about this matchup, and right. it's going to be really, really fun to see. And especially without Chris Godwin, you know, I expect Mike Evans to get, you know, a few more targets thrown his way. And uh, that showdown between Evans and Casey Hayward is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Right. So um, before we get to our predictions, I do want to talk about the Justin Herbert and Tyrod Taylor situation. Uh, You kind of brought it up a little bit earlier. Uh, Daniel Popper has suggested he thinks that Tyrod is going to be the starter next week against the Saints. Um, I guess kind of if you're Anthony Lynn – what does Justin Herbert have to do for you to uh, keep starting him? 
I, I wonder if the position is just that there is nothing he can do, um, in a sense, right? If you view Justin right. Herbert as the backup quarterback, then, um, and you view him as kind of the future, then theoretically a two or three game sample size should be able to sway your way uh, into going for Justin Herbert as a starter for the rest of the season. Now, obviously it'll depend on Tyrod's health. Uh, you know, even if he does go to the Saints game, it could be as a backup um, instead of a starter. But, you know, I think it'll be tough, but I, I would say that I think he's not really, uh, I don't know. I, 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 I don't see Herbert starting week five. I think that's a tough game against the Saints unless, he, you know, there's just no choice for Anthony Lynn to make but that one. Uh, and I don't know if Herbert's in that position yet. And, you know, I'm sure if Tyrod starts uh, that Chargers fans will handle it uh, very civilly and no one will be mad. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be so pleasant on <laughs> Twitter. It's so pleasant on Twitter.gov or whatever. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's um, I, I definitely understand because Herbert is definitely where ahead of where I thought he would be at this point. But I also understand the point of Lynn, which is, you know, if you view uh, Herbert as the future instead of the now, then um, Tyra does make sense to bring back. But I will say either way for Lynn, even if he does go back to Tyrod, Tyrod's leash, now that we have seen Herbert, uh, is going to be a lot shorter no matter what. Right. Yeah, because, you know, we talked before the season about the leash of Tyrod, right? And if he doesn't get hurt, he doesn't get knocked out of the game by his own doctor. You know, he probably doesn't have a very short leash. But now that we have seen what Justin Herbert can do, I think you are right. I think that is is the case. Um, that's going to be really interesting because I think if Justin Herbert goes down and has a very efficient game, you know, I'm not saying he has to put up 300 yards again, but, you know, if he goes for 240 and throws a couple touchdowns and doesn't turn the ball over and they win – I think that would be tough for Anthony Lynn to say, you know what, let's go back to Tyron now because, um, you know, I think you see the upside with Justin Herbert is clearly higher than with Tyrod Taylor. And if you can get those turnovers down, then you're in really good shape at the quarterback position. So that'll be really interesting. I did, I do want to say, I mentioned to you and Tyler that on Monday's press conference was the first time that he was asked about the situation that he didn't, say like 100% Tyrod is the guy if he's healthy. He All he said was my priority is to get Tyrod healthy. So maybe he's considering shifting. I don't really know. Obviously, uh, he's not going to flat out say that. But um, I don't know if it's 100% that Tyrod's a starter if he's healthy going forward. But I guess we'll have to wait and yeah, see. Yeah, my guess is just that I don't know if there has been a decision made. I think Lynn will evaluate it week to week, see where Herbert is. Um you know, if Herbert shows you something really impressive that goes beyond weeks two and three, um, I, you know, I still think you could see, uh, I still think you could see Herbert start the rest of the year, or you know, maybe maybe he just want it all. Uh, but you know, no matter what, I do think the leash for Tyrod is shorter, and I think that even if he does come back uh, in this uh, situation, I do think it'll cost him his job eventually. Yeah, that that's gonna be. It sucks, right. right? Because that you know, Tyrod is something is totally out of his control. Such a good, 
Yeah, it really was. And you hate to see someone lose their job like this. But if he starts week five and they struggle and they lose and they lose this week, you know, then they're sitting at one and four. Right. right. And then you have the Jets coming up. And if Tyra struggles against the Jets, who, you know, for three quarters made (laughs) Mr. Ripien look like a really good quarterback. (laughs) You know, Tyrod has to play well against the Jets if he's playing against the Jets. Like, he has to play well. So, obviously, we'll we'll be keeping an eye on that situation. Um, I'll start off with the game prediction. I don't like this matchup at all. Uh, I am obviously rooting for the Chargers to win. Um, but I think the Buccaneers defense is is going to be too much for the offense of the Chargers to overcome. And so I'm going to go 27-17 for the Buccaneers. Um, I don't think that's that far off. Uh, I don't know about 27-17. I'll say, uh, yeah, I said it earlier in the podcast, but I'll go 24-21 Tampa. I think it's a close game. Uh, the Chargers generally don't get blown out pretty, uh, terribly often. I still think they can keep up with Brady and the fact that that the Buccaneers are dealing with, you know, uh, at least on offense, close to the amount of injuries that we're dealing with. Um, I do think that's a big deal, uh, especially not having Godwin and not having uh, some of their other running backs. Uh, I see this being closer, but I do think the difference in this one will be the fact that Tampa Bay is a better team in the trenches, as we said, uh, when it comes to the offensive and defensive yeah. line. But, you know, that's also always situational and, and kind of changes by the day. So, you know, I do hope the Chargers have a bounce back effort, but I'm predicting a 24 to 21 win for Tampa Bay. Yeah, I could certainly see that. And you men- you mentioned the trenches, right? If it, it if everyone on the Chargers is healthy, maybe this is a little right. different. But unfortunately, Trey Turner, Brian Blaga, Melvin Ingram, Justin Jones are all likely to be out. So I think it's going to be a tough one. But um, So that'll do it for today's show, you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, make sure, if you are a Patreon supporter, um, please make sure that your uh, status went through. I saw some people had some, uh, had some pending issues still with their account, and we will be doing the Kenneth Murray jersey as soon as all of those go through. Um, so stay tuned for that. If you are not into patreon yet make sure you sign up as little as one dollar gets you access to jersey giveaways and film breakdowns and then alex and i will be doing our quarterly grades for the chargers coming up next week alex any other thoughts before we sign off today uh no that's about it for today um have a good one folks (laughs) all right guys thanks for tuning in we will see you next week Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.